Welcome to our podcast, Where Do We Go?, where we bring in guests who have conversations with high schoolers that are both relatable and informative regarding the idea of female leadership. I'm Kylie, and I'm the founder of the organization and club, We Go, and I'm so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast today. We Go stands for Women Empowerment in Global Opportunities, and our mission is to cultivate the skill set students will need in order to foster a new generation of strong leaders that will make changes in the field that they want to take on. Because the stage is set for girls and women everywhere. We go. Okay, so welcome to the first episode of our podcast, When We Go. Um, today, we're joined by not only one special guest, but we have two today. Um, we have Chef Michelle Carrioca and Chef Mark Lovici, or better known as Chef Beach. Um, I'm Kylie. I'm a ninth grader and the founder of the club We Go at Punahal. And I'm joined by two of my friends. Hi, I'm Sonia. I'm 15 and I'm in ninth grade. Hi, I'm Henry. I'm a 14 and I'm also a freshman. Hi, Yeah, and then we'll let our guests introduce themselves. And then basically just have a conversation. Alright, you go first, Gooch. No way, man. Come on, you gotta go first. You <laughs> that amazing fish first. No, 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 no. I'm Michelle Carr-Wayoka, chef of the Fish Shop, and graduated from 1999. And I'm Mark Noguchi, otherwise known as Gooch or Chef Gooch. Um, Michelle is my dear classmate from small kid time. Uh, we have known each other seriously since I think. Since preschool. since preschool. Yeah. I found a preschool picture of us. Um, <laughs> the proud father of two and the co founder with my wife of PD Group and Chef Hui. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So this yeah, we just start. Uh so have you seen any financial challenges opening the restaurant and what tips do you have? Is that all for me? Uh, I guess for both of you. Um, for us right now, ever since March, the take out due to the whole pandemic, it's been challenging. For me, a lot of it is um, I want to keep as much staff as possible. Quite a few of our staff due to situation as a restaurant, but we have been doing takeout for about six months. Um, we will probably continue to do takeout until next year when we decide to open some dining. But a lot of it, the decision was to stay closed for the safety of our staff as well as the public. But for me, it makes me happy. Cooking has always in a way, we do feel like making other people happy. So we enjoy helping the farmers, the ranchers, and showcasing all the local companies in the dishes that we create. Um, I think to Michelle's credit, uh, I out of all the restaurants that that we saw pivot, and Michelle, you know I'm not blowing smoke up your butt. I I mean it. Um, MW, MW restaurant really, really went with the flow. Um, they have an incredibly strong uh, takeout program. And that says a lot because for a lot of us as chefs, um, you know, takeout food is not our first. And, and just to be honest, it's not, our, it's not our first, you know, avenue of how we want to feed people, especially if you put so much into a restaurant. It's very hard to translate what we do on a plate into a box but i think that you know I, i've seen that with michelle and her and her crew uh, with andrew lane being the lady there are another ones they embraced the challenges and 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 stepped up and i think that that is a testament to also how they do business uh the mw group they're relentless and they're dedicated um they are some of the hardest working people that i know and 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 if i didn't believe it i just would have said that um, having said that, you know, the margins of, of working up a restaurant are incredibly, incredibly narrow. You know, the, a very real, a very real um, statistic is that you will net five to 10 cents on your dollar in your first five years. You know, and, and that's real. 
um, I think that you know, for Peely Group, we were really fortunate. We've never taken a loan out. And while we did have our financial challenges as well, um, in a nutshell, what caused us to close our restaurants was my mother getting uh, cancer. And we kind of had this heart to heart of what was important. See, fast forward to today, and what I, what I tell everyone is that I think that my mother died to save our lives because doing what we do as Chef Hui and even the privilege that I have sharing time with all of you at Puno now, there is no way possible that I, that I would have been able to do that had we still had our restaurants. So there are moments where I miss, I miss that camaraderie and, and, and the certain, um, you know, pleasures that we get out of the, the stress and the, and the time and, and amount of work they put in, uh, you know, Michelle, I'm sure could attest to it as well. I've always been, you know, kind of looked at myself as like a chef, you know, for the people. Um, to me, the relationships that I've been able to cultivate with, with friends and colleagues meant so much more than four walls. So I guess in that, in that retrospect, I feel fortunate that I still get to do what I love in a, in, in a, very, in a very strong capacity and still see Michelle. I probably see Michelle more than I used to. We probably see each other more than I used than we used to. So um, so there's this one particular question that we ask like every time. And so actually I think Chef Rich actually answered it, but maybe we can ask this time to Chef Michelle um, if you could answer what is one woman that has made an impact on your life and has like, inspired you? Wow, one. <laughs> um that's so hard. I've had so many people who have influenced me in so many different ways. Um, but I'll probably say my grandma. You know, I, I had two grandmas, and one was from Tokyo, another one was from Okinawa, and they shared with me their love for cooking, the love for making people happy, and I think that's what drew me to become a chef, is the way that my grandparents brought the whole family around the table, and it was a way for us to enjoy and share each other's company and tell a lot of the stories of about them so that we could pass it on to the future generations. And she also had a great work ethic. They were both hardworking, dedicated, and really instilled in me good core values. You know, give us such a strong connection. I could very easily say my mother, she's a strong one. <clears throat> Uh, when I was thinking about it right now, I think three of the most important women in my life are my mother, uh, my wife, and also, believe it or not, uh, Auntie Wendy. Uh, so I'm going to talk about Auntie Wendy. And what inspires me about Auntie, about, you know, about Auntie Wendy is um, she, she was incredibly compassionate to me when I started, you know, if you understand that even though a lot of people think that I fell in naturally into the Puno community, that wasn't the case at all. I was, you know, I was really intimidated. Um, I definitely felt like I, you know, I, that I, I had no idea what really I was doing there. Um, and she kept telling me like, don't worry, it'll be okay. Don't worry. And, you know, it's easy to celebrate people when they're stellar and when they're just like, you know, just putting out the best work. But I think it takes it takes it takes a particular maturity and it takes a certain amount of compassion where you recognize that a person has potential and you're willing, you know, despite everything else going on in your life, because she does. She's a director of CLC, so she's got a she she's like herding cats all day long, and and she's got to herd Uncle Gooch and you know teach him everything on how to digitally change his withholdings on his taxes to you know, helping me through like the letter days and understanding how they worked again. So um, I do feel incredibly grateful, you know, to have her as, as a mentor. Um, she pushes me to be the best person I can be. Um, and even when she like scolds me, she does it in this like very motherly way that I appreciate. So uh, yeah, Wendy Kamiya is my, is one of my, one of my female. Uh, I look up my feelings. Kind of follow up on Henry's question about the current difficulties. 
Um, due to the pandemic, food insecurity has, ri has risen. Um, could you talk a bit about your operation, Chef Lee, and how you help families during this pandemic? Sure, sure. Um, once again, amazing women in my life. I need to give credit to Amanda, to my, to my wife, Amanda, uh, who takes her and our team take care of so much. And Michelle's nodding because she, she's been a part of this correspondence and you know, she understands how much work they do. Um, when spring break first happened, when, we, when they first announced spring break was going to be extended back in March, our first concern was how are, how are kids going to get lunch? Because pre-COVID, statistics were that one in five children rely on their public school lunch as being their primary meal of the day. Okay? With COVID, it's, it's, it's surpassed 25%. So we were fortunate because immediately Amanda started to reach out to a lot of our colleagues in like food security and food sustainability, you know, not, not chefs, but like, you know, the, the think tanks, even, you know, behind that. I started to reach out to our chef community. Actually, you know, Chef Michelle was, was definitely one of the first that I called to. And the moment that our friends started to close their doors by, I think, 36 hours after they announced the shutdown, um, you know, things in, in walk-ins and refrigerators were going to go. Um, so within 36 hours, we had formed a partnership with Pacific Gateway Center and at that time, Aloha Harvest, who helped us to aggregate all of this food that was going to go bad, get it to PGC. And instead of us, instead of like me forming a kitchen to cook, we realized that we could serve our community better by taking these thousands of pounds of product not sitting on it, but immediately getting out to communities that need it. Um, you know, when you cook long enough and when you, when you commit yourself long enough, I think, to a movement or a purpose or a cause, you will inevitably create a larger network. So once people started hearing what we were doing, we started getting more calls and then more calls. And by the end of the first week, um, Amanda, had already, Amanda and her team had already pivoted to not just looking for donations, but now trying to figure out where's the funding going to come from where we can support our farmers by buying from them. Uh, and that's where we're at now. So Chef Hui is this, is this group of both committed, you know, uh, what, something like 36 restaurants now around the state of Hawaii. We have outreach um, on Oahu, Hawaii Island, Maui, and Kauai. Uh, and we've done two drives on Molokai as well, one on Lanai. Um, so we're fortunate to have a network like that. And, and I think that that's how we are going to somehow survive together is, you know, is remembering that we're all in this together. Um, if you look at MW's takeout menu, they got a great little sidebar where they, um, you know, they have, they have vegetables and produce and products that they sell as well from their farmers. And it is, um, it's brilliant. Uh, it is actually probably one of the best secret deals in town. So, you know, for instance, getting like beautiful, clean, peeled onions for $2 a pound is ridiculous. Nobody does that, you know, but like Michelle said, you know, it's just a way for, you know, it's, they're not making a ton of money for their farmers, but, but they're doing something and they're, they're spreading the word. So. And part of the reason why we started that whole marketplace was to help keep our farmers strong. Because that, that's what makes Hawaii more sustainable future. And when the pandemic first hit, a lot of the farmers came to us because places were closing, they needed somewhere for the products to go. And so when we devise our takeout menus, everything is based on what the local farmers have because our cleaning and our thought process was we need to support them. And that's so creative. And Gooch, thank you for doing Chef Hui and with Amanda. You guys are amazing. Thank you for helping serve the community. You're welcome. What do you think is like the importance of reaching out and helping the local community? I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, you know, we live on an island and our resources are finite and I also believe strength in numbers. So it's kind of 
you know, with all that talk, with all this talk this year about like immigrants and being proud that you're an immigrant, we all come from immigrant roots, you know, almost all of us. And what what I see is I see us, whether we realize it or not, going back to our immigrant roots, we're leaning into each other. You know, we are quicker to call each other for hey, for help or, you know, we're, we're quicker to lean into each other to check in and see how we're doing. So what I see about the importance of of keeping it local and buying it local is that if we can make a change within our community on this little cluster of islands in the middle of nowhere where, where you know, for, for, for reasons of conditioning, we rely so much on, on import. If we can make that little change and show that it's possible, imagine what, imagine what people in the States can do or in, in countries that have more resources, have more space. So I look at the work that we do important because not only do we serve our community, but we also have the precedence and the ability to set an example. And that's really important. Well, I totally agree with Pooch. And I think, you know, when you think about how much of the imports that come from the mainland, it's about 85 to 90%. When a natural disaster happens, what happens to Hawaii? Like when the pandemic first hit, you couldn't find toilet paper, you couldn't find flour, you couldn't find yeast. So it learned to me, I saw more how we needed to be more sustainable for the future. And how that's gonna happen is we have to invest in the people of Hawaii, you know? And by becoming more sustainable as a whole state, then we help keep the people in Hawaii, we help the community more. Because what happens is the dollar that you spend on a local business stays in Hawaii versus part of it going to a mainland by an international investor. So when you think about the whole economic cycle of money and where the money goes in Hawaii, the more it stays in Hawaii, the more it also helps to go to different charities, you know, and help the community more. And for me, it's about during this time, we need to all support each other and buy local and and help each other because the only way we're gonna to get to this is we all help each other out. So like what I'm hearing is like a ripple effect from like and then kind of like branching out to larger farther away. Yeah. That pebble in the water. Yeah. Um, so this is for the both of you, but what advice would you have for someone wanting to follow the same career? <laughs> <laughs> Go Gucci, you first. You got your stereotypical answer? No, no, no. Um, you mean like in food? I think, I feel that in today's, in our industry today, it is a, it's a broad new world out there. <clears throat> Everything from, you know, better, a better quality of living for our back house and, and our front house to, uh, you know, to sort of breaking the glass ceiling in kitchens. I think that it's a brand new day. Um, I, for one, and I'm sure, you know, Michelle, you, you, could, you could probably attest to it. I don't think any of us thought that something that I do would have been like a career choice for a cook or a chef back then. But we're real fortunate in that we're in this time where you know we can write our own careers pretty much. If you if all any of you remember um Mike Latham's first speech when he when he in school, he talked about how it is our job as faculty to train students for careers that don't exist yet. And I think that that, that applies to not just young students, but that applies to professionals across the board. However, you, um, if you ever take one of my classes, you'll hear me say often that, you know, a recipe is just a guideline. Uh, just like life, life is just a guideline. There's no strict rules. However, before you start to change the rules, you need to understand how the recipe works. You know, before you start to get creative with how to, how to cook a chicken, you got to be able to roast it first, you know, a thousand times. Right, Michelle, before you, before you make laminated dough, you better learn the concept of, you know, just, just baking bread. And I think that the, you know, the space is wide open, um, but you gotta be able to put in the work. 
know, you gotta, you gotta be able to put in the work. I agree with you totally. Yeah, uh, a lot of what drew me to become a chef slash pastry chef was my love for food. Um, I love the way I can cook, and then seeing whatever I cook creates a smile or creates a memory on someone's face. That's probably why I chose to be a chef and what drove me to do that as a career. Um, but I, you know, a lot of it is like how Luke said that a recipe is just a guideline. It's true. I think a lot of it is just as you journey in life, there's different steps that you take and sometimes you don't know where the road might lead you. And I think um, but that's the whole part of life experience. And I think um, for me, when I train like young chefs is to instill the fundamentals of cooking in them, that the stronger the foundation you have, the more creative, the more different opportunities you are gonna have in life, but it's about building a strong foundation. Just like when you build a house, you want a strong foundation underneath and then that house. A real quick story to add on to Michelle's was I was with um, Michelle's old boss, Chef Alan Wong, one, one evening. And, you know, he was talking and we had had dinner and it was at, it was at Food and Wine. And he said, you know, you guys are real talented, but you know what your problem is? I'm like, like, what chef? What's our problem? And he goes, you guys are so creative these days but you're forgetting the basics. And you know, right, Michelle? Like, Chef was right off, and he, he totally was, is that so many young chefs um, are hyper-creative. But then when you ask them to go back to the classics, you ask them to go back to the foundations, and then it'll get a little fuzzy. But what, Mich what Chef Michelle said is on point. You got to know the basics. You got to know your classics. You got to know where it comes from told me about um, asking you to ask you about how Chef Michelle feels about you and Swing. So maybe oh, no, you got to ask Chef Michelle that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you going to deny it? <laughs> um, one of my fondest memories of Japan, we always tease each other about this, is was second grade and we were playing on the playground and he wanted to ride the swing and I was on the swing. And as I was going, <laughs> he pushed me off the swing and I teased him because he was a big bully because he was taller than me. But then I always tease him now because I'm taller than him. <laughs> yes, you are. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love, you. Nice. I love I'm, you too. I love you too. I used to deny it. Not <laughs> I don't really remember it that was second grade, but Michelle Carr is not one to lie, so. <laughs> so. In both of your opinions, at what point in the culinary field do you think people are most likely likely to give up? And what would you suggest to them? I always tell people if I had a dollar for every time I wanted to quit, I would be very rich right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, just in life, in general, you're always gonna find obstacles, but it's your persistence, your perseverance, and your dedication to follow that dream, to make it a reality. You know, I call it little bumps in the road, you know, and, but that's what's gonna get you to whatever dream you want to accomplish, whether it be becoming a chef or becoming a writer or whatever it may be. My theory in life was always, if you dream it, you can achieve it. And I have been blessed enough with so many mentors and supporters and friends, you know, like Gucci who always encouraged me when I felt, when I was struggling or I felt like I wasn't going to make it. I always had a support system that helped me get there. I read that when you applied for a job at the French Laundry, you sent a toothbrush with your application. And so I was wondering maybe yes. you could about that story and also kind of like go back to what you just visited and talk about like the importance of like grit and perseverance when you want to achieve your passion. Yeah. 
Recently, I have the book <laughs> and the shovel. The toothbrush, I used it to clean um, tight shell mold. But long ago, when I first applied, it was in 1980. When I went to the CIA, you have to do an externship. And so one of my um, teachers told me, asked me where I wanted to go. And I said, I want to go out to French Laundry and study with Chef Keller. And at that time, I didn't have much experience, but I knew that's where I wanted to go. And I knew that he would have a whole stack of resumes and that he could only choose one extern at a time. And how would I differentiate myself from them? So I actually took a toothbrush, I mailed it in with my wrist and a letter, and I explained to him that this isn't a letter from your dentist, it's a letter to show my desire, my dedication. And if I have to scrub toilets with a toothbrush for six months, just to have one day in the kitchen, I would do it. And to my surprise, two days later, um, I got this really thin envelope. And as a senior applying for colleges, you always want the thick envelope because you had to return the material back. And you're... So I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't want to open the envelope because I was like, it's thin, I probably got rejected. And then my mom's like, just open it. If you got accepted, great. If you didn't, it's okay, you at least try. And that's the main thing, is that you tried, you gave it a go. Because if you don't try, you're still not gonna get it, you know? And that's the beauty of life. And so I did get it. I spent six months there. And he actually gave me, this is a shovel used for gardening. Because when I was there, uh, one of my things that he had to he taught me was to learn how to grow vegetables that we would pick and use in the dishes in the evening. So for me, the shovel represents our time together of teaching someone who, like me who didn't know what a, um, a hole was and you know and gardening tools because I knew golf and. That was about it. And so to make a long story short, it also meant that in the, you have to dig into your journey and go down to the roots and you're gonna build your root and then you're gonna see something grow in the future. What do you think is the most important things to have to be successful in a kitchen? I think that the most important things to have in a kitchen are the qualities that Michelle just said. <clears throat> um, you need to have grit and perseverance. You got to be committed. Uh, I agree. Then it's, you know, Henry, this is kind of going back to what Michelle is talking about. There are many times, you know, that you want to quit, but we grow the most through change, right? Michelle, you heard it. Change equals stress equals growth. It's, it's not cliched. It's, totally, it's completely true. Um, we grow the most and and I also tell my cooks that your your truth of character who you really are it shines the most when nobody's looking you know it's those moments where you're where you need to slice a case of mushrooms and you are so tired or you know you got to clean ramps and it's one in the morning and you really could Take that last pound of ramp and you could probably bury it at the bottom of the trash can because everyone's gone. Nobody would see it. But you'd know. So what are you going to do? Um, I have a quick story to add on to Michelle. Michelle, I don't, know if I don't know if I ever told you this, but because of you and Wade, you guys got me a audition opportunity at Per Se that I turned down. So when I left... Uh, when I was leaving New York and coming home, I was looking for a job. And I had wanted to stage. Stage is a French word to basically you work in a kitchen for free. And in Europe, the classical stage, stage system was chef would usually um, house you. So you get food and shelter to work in a kitchen. And that's, that's the trade-off when you learn. Here in the States, you usually don't get a place to stay very often. But, you know, you, you audition for a stage. So I had never thought of myself as, as French laundry or, or, you know, Keller material. 
Um, but both Michelle and her husband Wade on separate occasions had told me how their time with Thomas Keller changed their life. So I wrote this letter or I wrote an email and I, I sent it off and I you know, said, my name is Mark Gucci. I'm a young cook, just graduated from Colonia of America and I'm moving home, but I have a couple weeks and I would be honored if I might have the chance to be a stage. I said, and very similar to Michelle, I was like, and if it means sweeping the floors every night, no problem. Um, and I sent my resume and I, and I said, thank you very much. I said, I, you know, I never thought I would be writing this email, but two of your former cooks, you know, Michelle Carr and Wade Oyoka mentioned how their time with you guys changed your life. And um, at that time, I was still shopping for a job. And one of my old chef instructors, his brother was the executive chef at this place called Kona Village Resort on Hawaii Island. So we've been going back and forth with this. And then finally, you know, Chef Mark said, hey, when you get home, we'd like to, we would love to have you join our team. And about 30 minutes later, I get this email from, from Per Se HR. And they said, um, Dear Mark Noguchi, thank you for your letter. Um, chef was very, you know, chef was very intrigued and he'd like to talk to you more. However, we don't have any stage opportunities. However, we are looking for a, a, a komin, which is an entry-level cook, a komin and garmage, so the cold station. Uh, and if you are interested, we'd like to talk to you about coming down for a possible interview. And I wrote back, and I think I wrote back something short and smart ass, like, you're joking, right? And then HR's immediate response was, no, we're not. And I, um, I, I, I cried because I had just accepted a job back at home at a hotel. So here it was. Opportunity for a three Michelin restaurant, one of the top 50 in the world. Go back home to a good paying, but... Just a hotel job for a chef that I admired, but still yet. New York, back home. New York, back home. And I emailed HR and I said, I'm flattered, but about 45 minutes ago, I accepted a position in Hawaii. And I said, I need to honor that position. Um, never told Chef Mark what happened until about a year later. Uh, HR's response was, um, chef wanted to let you know that if you ever change your mind, please let us know. I appreciate your integrity. And I say, I printed that email and I saved it to this day. And I, so Michelle, thank you. But, you know, even chef said, why didn't you take the job? And I said, I told you I'm coming to you. And so Henry, it takes grit and you got to be dedicated because I tell you, that decision right there changed the course of my life. Oh, wow. Okay, Um, this question actually comes from Caitlin, and she's a freshman, and she wants to know, if you could do anything without being afraid of failing, what would that thing be? Oh. That's a good one. <laughs> I thought, too. <laughs> wow, if I could do anything without failing, what would I think, how would I say it? You fail forward. Like sometimes when I have new cooks who come to me, they're so afraid of failing or making a mistake that they don't want to try. And I always say, you have to try, you know, because in life, there's nothing wrong if you fail or you make a mistake. That's how you're going to learn. So like I always tell people, when you, if you, Make a mistake and you fail. Don't think of it as a negative. Think of it as a positive. Because you learn something you would have never ever learned before. You know, so that's maybe why part of me is such a hard question because I don't mind failing because that means I'm putting myself into an unknown territory and I'm going to hopefully learn something new. You know, and that's how you get, that's for me how I look at my most memorable experiences. It was a journey of things that I've done and you put yourself out there. And it is sometimes hard to put this, yourself out there because 
whether people might judge or anything, but those who are really your true friends and your supporters, your mentors, they're going to want to see you put yourself out there to try and achieve the dreams that you want. I think for myself, and I understand where the question is coming from. It's like, if you don't have to worry, but what, the one thing that I learned too is like, if you're not worried about it, it's too easy. You know, it's, I, I, oh man, you know, at Chef Marvel's, I lost 30 pounds in six months. I was scared every day. You know, I thought I'd get fired every day and working for Chef Kevin was like Chef Kevin was old school. You got things thrown at you and screamed at and everything under the sun, it happened. And But I was, I became such a strong cook out of that, you know, and um, in my in my marriage and being a father, I worry, I hope I'm doing, I hope I'm doing it right, you know, and, and I'm probably falling short here and there, but fear, we need to, we, and Michelle, I'm so glad you brought that up. We need to, we need to encourage our, our community. We need to somehow change that narrative that fear and failure is a bad thing. You know, I agree. Like that's how we grow, you know, and you know, Kylie, Sonia and Henry and, and the rest of your, the rest of your, your peers, um, you as, as young student body leaders, have the ability to leverage the things that you learn in times like this, and then insert that into your daily conversation. Not that you got to get in a soapbox and tell everyone like, "Oh, you got to fail forward." That's what Chef Michelle said. But you know, and, and and just understand that anything is possible through failing forward. You know, I've had some epic fails that <laughs> that have taught me incredible life lessons and i wouldn't change any of that in a heartbeat not even some of my most painful experiences would i change choose to change you know coming from like an outside perspective can you comment about like the roles women play in the culinary field and what you hope to see from women in your field so this was at a very well-known restaurant um I, it's closed now, so I can say what it is. So Spotted Pig. Spotted Pig was a hot spot for everybody and anybody in, in our culinary field. You know, that's where like for all the big name chefs came to hang out on the weekends. And if you were a young cook, you know, you wanted to hang out there too. So um and this was before me too. Okay. I was with a very close uh I was with the younger sister of a very close friend. And we, were, we went to take her out to eat. We had a great dinner. We we're hanging out at the bar. And then another Hawaii boy, Tony Liu, said he was coming. And he was bringing some chefs. And he brought this table. And there's this table there of some of the most famous chefs in the world. Um, no, Michelle, your boss wasn't there. But it was, it was your bosses, some of your bosses, you know, buddies. And one of them was, one of them looks at Kayulani. He goes, hey, sweet thing, pats his lap. Hey, come sit over here. And she's like this. She's a tira from Molokai. And she just like gave it to him. In the middle of, you know what I mean, Michelle? Friday night, 1 a.m., Spotted Pig is packed. And she's like calling this chef out outside. It was, it was amazing. It was great. And um, that, while she was just upset, and she was like, F this guy, you know, I can't believe this guy. Who the hell you think he is? To me, I was really ashamed. I was so ashamed that that was Kaiulani's. You know, she's heard me, she had heard me talk about New York for years, about how much I loved it, how much I loved the people that I worked with. And that was her first interaction with New York, you know, our New York culinary community. So what I've seen. And that was 2005 or 2006, I think. And what I've seen from there are, are incredible moves forward. Um, you know, Michelle, I remember at one time, Andrew's entire line was almost all women. Pignalese at one time, their entire line was almost, almost women, you know. And I see that, I see that 
the scope and the ability for women to kick ass, excuse my French, in the kitchen, um, is boundless. And I think most women make better cooks than men do because they just got more finesse than we do. And they have, a, they, have, they have such a good sense of taste. And, you know, I think part of that is because women are the ones that bear children. Because if, as men, if we're, if we're the ones that have to bear children, the world population would be like 25, like 75% less. But it is already innate, this sort of um, matriarchal uh, sort of personality or this, this, this matriarchal sense already. And in the same way, when we create food, you're caring for these dishes as you compose them and they go out. So I think there's something very similar in this other lines of motherly. I also see that finally there's a time where as a woman or as a person who feels that you are being doing wrong, you can speak up now. Yes, there are still the boundaries. I'm not saying we live in a perfect world. I'm not saying that life is fair because it's not. But I definitely see in 20 years that I've been cooking that I see a new, a brave new world for women. Um, I think that we will continue to see that. I think that we will um, always continue to need to you know, filter out the, the male jerks in our community. Um, but collectively, if we, if we check them, you know, in the same way, Kylie and Sonia, if you're hanging out with friends in college or somewhere and some guy is treating you in a way that is disrespectful and that you don't like, if, you know, if you are surrounded by people that you trust, you know that you can speak up and they'll have your back. I feel that, Michelle, perhaps, you know, back in the day, that was that whole, like, don't rock the boat, you know, you, you didn't want to get fired or, you know, God forbid, I've heard stories from women who, when they speak up, they get, you know, they get pushed into a garbage or like the lowest position in the kitchen and you never see them again. That's BS. I see more opportunity. And so I'm very optimistic. I love, I love seeing the, the women leaders, you know, today's in age. So this question is from Bella. She's a freshman, and it's um, how do you grow in such a competitive industry such as the restaurant business? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that again? Uh, how do you grow in such a competitive industry such as the restaurant business? A lot of it comes from what you have in your heart, you know, and it all comes down to about your attitude and the dedication, the desire, and the persistence that you have. And yes, it is competitive. You know, when you think about it, like, just like if you play sports or anything, right? Everything that you do, your, your daily practice prepares you for the next big game. And I think part of it is, I think for me, competition drives me to do better because I always want to, but for me, it's also about driving myself to be better, driving my our team to be better. But at the same time, the whole reason why I do what I do is to help others. And for me, I think that's the nurturing part of me that I've always wanted to um, live by in the sense of why I chose this profession. You know, one other thing too is what Michelle said that's a very important key is that we are in competition with ourselves. You know, we push ourselves, we push our team to push themselves as well. You know, if you are operating a restaurant and your goal is like, oh, I want to, you know, have the most sales, have the, you know, busiest restaurant, have the most accolades because we're better than your next door neighbor, you're in it for the wrong reasons, you know. Um, when when Senia was being built out, you know, next to Pig and a Lady, both chefs at separate times asked me, what should I do? I mean, what do you wish you should do? We've all been buddies for 10 years. Why does that change? Because you open up a restaurant. And, you know, both of them were like, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. That's kind of stupid to think that way. Yeah, there's, there's no need. I mean, I get it. You know, you know it, it's friendly competition. But at the same time, too, you're not competing so much against the other person as you're competing within yourself. You've given us a bunch of amazing advice already. Uh, thank you so much. But if you could give uh, one or two pieces of advice to your high school self, um, this question comes from Esther Chan. Uh, what advice would you give to your past self? 
Probably, I think when I was in high school or maybe more intermediate, I always was so worried about what everyone else thought about me. And one of my teachers finally said, stop worrying about what everyone else thinks about you. Worry about what you think about yourself. You, you need to make yourself happy. When you're happy with yourself, you have so much more to others. And I think when I decided to stop worrying about what other people thought of me, and I focused on myself and what I wanted to do, it helped me to become a stronger person inside because I learned to understand myself better. If I had to give myself another piece of advice, I think it would be just to remind myself um, how important words are. You know, this was before we were in high school, before social media. Uh, and I think I was a sophomore or a junior and we were going out to the movies and we had picked up, um, we had picked up like, you know, my friend and then his friend and like and the two other to these these two girls are also friends but we're all going it must have been a junior because one of us was driving and no one was driving as a sophomore but what i remembered about that night was one of the girls was an exchange student from france and she had a french accent so me thinking that i was smooth was like wow you got a really nice accent it's a great accent and she's like well i think all accents are beautiful and i'm like yeah well you know I mean, some are more beautiful than others. Yeah. And then my to my Korean buddy, I was like, you know, like it sounds better in Korean. And he got real quiet. And I realized at that moment that I had hurt his feelings. And, um, you know, I was a product of bullying too, so I know what that's like. But what was really sad was that a month later, he disappeared. Oh, wow. And so if I have one regret in life, was that that is one person that I've never been able to apologize to. And that weighs on me to this day. Um, I don't have very many regrets. That's a regret. So in, in addition to what Michelle says, to also remember that what we say holds weight. Because it's so easy to, right? It was an honest mistake back then. I did not, it wasn't meant to be malicious. You know, I was trying to impress a girl, stupid, lame. And, uh, and in, instead, I, I really hurt someone's feelings. So I guess um, kind of like our last question to wrap up everything. And also like as a question that our listeners can think about, what would you like to see for high schoolers like us to do in the community? As high schoolers? I think as high schoolers, as young adults, you have no idea the, the, the power and the ability to leverage that you have because you're so inundated with getting, you know, projects done and doing your homework and got to write college letters and where do I go? Um, this is amazing what is happening right now, talking, sitting down here, talking to all of you. So if there's one thing to share is that if you have a dream or something that you want to accomplish during this time in school, shoot it out there, you know, cause you can, and you can, you can probably walk away with from your high school career, having been a lot more of a social activist that you wanted to be, than you thought was possible. Go Michelle. No. I you couldn't have said it better, you know. It's such a, a memorable time and you know put your out there. Um put your voice out there because that's what creates a movement, you know. How you how you can make change is through other people as well. So when you have other people who have the same voice as you, that's how things change for the future.
Okay, so if there's anything else that you want to share with us, but just a big thank you. Very big thank you. Thank you for connecting us all together. No, thank you for joining us today. You know, it's so like not only is it like an inspiration to us, but also, you know, to everyone that gets to listen to just our conversation, I think, you know, it means a lot to us. Well, oh, thank you. Yeah, don't forget that you guys inspire us as well. When, when, you know, when you have a dynamic group of students, um, it's so easy for, for us to get caught up in our daily routine. So to be able to do some of this, it's also like a sounding board. I know for myself, as I, as I got to share, um, there are a lot of affirmations, little warm fuzzies that reminded me that, oh, yeah, I think, you know, you're all right. So thank you. Thank you so much. This was awesome. That, that back and forth was awesome. And if any of you guys have questions, you know, please don't hesitate to ask or call. Spend a day in the kitchen to see what it's like. Just please let me know. Yeah, and also if you could let the listeners know, like where they can find you or reach you or you know learn more about you. Well, you can find Chef Michelle Car Carbuilka at FW Restaurant. She doesn't sleep. She's there pretty much twenty four seven. That's her. <laughs> yeah, and you guys know where to find me. You'll hear me before you see me. So hey. <laughs> For myself, when you're a sophomore, you can sign up for culinary chemistry. Uh, I, I co-teach that with Ms. De Pasquale. And uh, please, uh, you know, even as we, as things start to slowly start to open up, please find me on campus. My office is in the COC with Auntie Wendy. Um, and once we can start cooking on campus again, now that I know that that's something you like, you should come and join me. And Kylie, Sonia, same thing for all of you. There will be. There will, I promise there will be many opportunities to, to all come together. I'm currently stressed about school, and this gave me a much-needed boost. Us too, trust me. Yeah. Thank you for joining us and you know making time you know, just out of the day to come and talk to us, and it means a lot. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into our podcast, Where Do We Go? We hope that our guests inspired you as much as we were. Make sure to check out our website for more information about our organization, WeGo, as well as our Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify. We hope you have a great rest of your day and continue to lead and create positive change. This is Kylie signing off. We'll see you next time.